Hey there, welcome to the Just Boldly Go podcast, where we help women and a few cool dudes face their fears, set goals, make game plans, and generally take their current circumstances by the balls so they can live a life they can't wait to get out of bed for every single day. Hello there. So I have with me today the lovely Audrey Holst, who is the queen of anti-perfectionism. I, that is a weird way to say it, but I mean, that's what she is really good at, is helping people work through the perfectionism, and I'll let her explain exactly what she does, but you have no idea how much I deal with this with some of my clients, so I can't wait to hear what your strategies are for dealing with it. Totally, totally. So yeah, um, I help people reform from their perfectionism is basically the way way I put it. Yes, anti-perfectionism big time. Um, And I, I basically help people to unvelcro themselves from all of the systems outside of them that are basically telling them what to do, telling them how to think, telling them what to prioritize and helping them unvelcro themselves from that and reconnect themselves with what I call their, their personal operating system so that they can actually put their energy and their time and prioritize the things that actually matter to them. That is, I think that's a key The key thing that all of us need to learn, whether we're actually perfectionists or not, because I think we all have perfectionist tendencies. Like, you know, some people, an interesting thing is, you know, I'm super into astrology and I have two clients who I love more than anything. Like we've worked together for years and I absolutely adore them. But I recently learned that they're both Virgos and I was like, oh, now I understand. Like you both have the same perfectionist tendencies. They get frozen Mm. when they feel like they can't make something perfect. Yes. um, How, what would be a good strategy for, for somebody like that, where they feel like, you know, unless it's perfect, I can't move forward, but that's not like, it's really just holding you back. Right. Totally. So it's actually a really good illustration of how perfectionism is basically a survival technique. People cling to perfectionism as a way, or, or they have in the past used perfectionism as a way to navigate circumstances or, or, or people or environments that were difficult to navigate. And like that perfectionism has basically been the thing that they've clung to, to like for everything to be okay. And so like what I say is, is perfectionism may have gotten you where you are, but it's not going to get you where you want to go. So the first thing um, is to just notice perfectionism, right? We kind of take this on as calling ourselves perfectionists, or I'll put that in quote. I'm putting it in quotes. You can't see me, obviously, but I'm putting it in air quotes, right? Perfectionist. And which really is a disservice to, uh, to an individual to call themselves a perfectionist, because it, it sounds as if it's an immovable, you know, unchangeable part of themselves. And it's not. It's just simply a strategy that, that has been used over time to, to get people what they want. So So the first thing that I have perfectionists do is just start to pay attention, just start to notice like what it's like to be them moving through the world, like start to get curious about, 
What are the things that drain your energy? What are the things that give you energy? What are the things that excite you? What are the things that, that like make, you know, make your hair stand on? Like just starting to get to know themselves as an individual, as opposed to this sort of cog in a wheel that's supposed to be doing a certain thing in a certain way. Um, I was, I was on the, on a a call with somebody that I work with actually that I'm a client of and um, yesterday and she was saying, you know, she's like, I imagine a perfectionist as like, it's somebody who has a filing cabinet where like everything is really, really neatly organized and it's all color coordinated and the tabs are all in the right place. And like, they don't want anything that's actually in this, in that filing cabinet. And I think that's totally accurate where it's like, it's like people have sort of cultivated the things they think they're supposed to cultivate. And then they're like, okay, where's the, where's the happiness? Where's the satisfaction? Not feeling very filled here. Yeah. Yeah, That's a really good way to describe it. And every perfectionist that I know has, it's always kind of a cop out. Like they, they hide behind it. Like you said, they really hide behind the fact that I'm a perfectionist and I'm not going to do something unless I can do it really well. And I think that that's just a total cop out. Like get your, get in there and get dirty and, you know, really know yourself and what, like you said, like how you react to different things. And it's almost like building up a wall around yourself just to keep those things out. Totally. And I think that it's, you know, another way to look at it in terms of a survival technique is, is um, if we look at the way that, that we are built as human beings, right? We have these sort of our nervous system, the way it's built, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the fight, flight, freeze part of our nervous system, right? That's, that's pretty, that's pretty common knowledge. But there's also this part of our our nervous system that's actually the social nervous system, which is actually the thing that we go to first when we are in a situation that we're unsure about. So what that basically means is we we look at the people outside of us that matter to us to be like, what do you think about this? Because it's actually dangerous for us to be like kicked out of the village and be by our by ourselves, right? So, so a lot of the things you know that happen with perfectionists or or people who who are sort of clinging to their perfectionism is that they are constantly sort of looking for that social right that social validation is like, is this going to be okay? Is this going to be okay? And they may have proof in their past that they've made those jumps and something bad has happened. So there is that sort of actual like tied into survival. If I do this, I might die. I might get kicked out of the village, right? It's like very like ingrained. So I think it's important just to understand that where um, I think it's really easy sometimes for people to get down on themselves and to be like, well, why can't I just kick, like, what's wrong with me that I can't get past this? And if it is tied into a survival, like some sort of a survival mechanism, then your whole system is basically like, we're not doing this because we think it's going to hurt you, right? It's going to be bad for you. So it's starting to sort of build that relationship with yourself and your system and starting to get like more safety within yourself so that you are not feeling like, well, if this doesn't go well, then I am, you know, I'm kicked out and I have to go live in the woods by myself for the rest of my life, (laughs) which is how it feels to our, to our bodies, right? Even though that seems completely illogical, that something you said in there about it's like it's not like it's they actually don't understand that response so they're you know being perfectionists and they don't understand why and it's it's so ingrained in them that they don't even recognize what it is and that reminds me of something that I just realized about myself I'm 43 years old and I don't have perfectionist tendencies I tend to 
hurry through things and get stuff done just because I need to get stuff done. But I have had money issues. I mean, I wrote the book Mom Versus Debt, and I've always had money issues, still have money issues. And I realized yesterday, no lie, yesterday, that when I, whenever money comes in, I immediately spend it because yes. I'm afraid it's going to go away. And like, I won't have it to even some stuff I don't need, just something that occurred to me one day, like, oh yeah, it'd be nice to have that. I'll go buy it as soon as I have the money for it, because what if I don't have the money later? And it's just something that has been probably in me since childhood. And just realizing that I was just like, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. Like, totally. I'm, I'm good. So it just, that response just really reminds me of that within myself. What It's not perfectionism, but it's a very similar thing where you, you're acting in a way that you don't even recognize what it is that's causing it. Yes. Yeah. And that's why it's so important just to start to, just to start to pay attention, right? Just to notice things, just to start discernment, right? So the two things that I, I teach in, and I call this basically building your own fortitude is noticing and discerning. So it's like, first you got to see the thing and then you have to start to discern, like, what is mine? What is somebody else's? What is something that actually matters to me? And what is something that I've been taught to value, right? And even in something like you were just talking about money, depending on the, the society you're brought up in, right? If money is a basic, you know, if you need money to survive, you are going to have, right, those survival things pop up in response to money because of the way that you've been taught, right, the way that the society functions, right? So it, it all is very dependent on your environment and the society you're brought up in and the values that you've been, that have been instilled in you from the beginning. And, you know, a lot of us are, have particular values from our, our culture instilled in us that we haven't really thought of as things we've been taught versus just the way things are, right? Anytime I heard the, hear the thing, I'll put that in quotes again, just the way things are, I know that there's some BS because that's just, because once you're told that and you believe that, you don't look for any other possibility. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when somebody realizes what they're doing and they, they you know, realize that they're having these perfectionist tendencies, what is the best way to break out of that? I mean, I don't want you to give away any proprietary secrets because I know you, you know, this is your work, but what's, what's something that they can do, the recognizing it and then what? Yeah. It? So, yeah. So, so there's basically a process. It's, it's, it's the fortitude and flow process, which I take people through. And that first part is just what I mentioned, which is the fortitude, which is noticing and discerning. So just starting to um, sort of peek your head out of the water you're swimming in and starting to notice the things that are happening, starting to pay attention to the things in your life, starting to pay attention to your body, right? All these things that we are sort of told is not valuable, right? We're told our thoughts are valuable, our brains are valuable, but we're sort of everything else below the neck is like, whatever, we don't really care. So starting to connect to that, right? Our, our, own, our own operating system, which is our nervous system, our ancestry, right? We know through epigenetics that we take on a lot of things that came before us through our lineage, right? So, so starting to understand these things about ourselves and then, okay, great. We know this, but we still have to take action, right? So what's the next thing? So the, the next part of that is creating flow and that's action and integration and action. When I talk about action, it's a, it's a different way um, of how a lot of people a lot of people take action. And I found it for perfectionists because of exactly what you named that whole, like, 
I'm scared to take action. If I take action and it's wrong, then like the world is going to explode. So I talk about taking small, doable, and consistent action in an experimental mindset. So it's like, we're just going to do an experiment here. This is not like, you are not married to this for the rest of your life. You're not committed to it. You're just going to try it out and see what happens, right? Using very like, uh, let's try it out. Like, let's do just a little bit, right? It has to be doable. If it's not doable, then nothing's going to happen. So just starting people to kind of get their feet wet in situations that they may not have done it before. And then the integration piece is like, okay, so how'd it go? Right? Like, what happened? What was the effect? Does something need to be changed next time? Because the perfectionist two-step is see and fix, see and nail it, see -hmm. and take responsibility. It's a very like quick reactionary thing. So it's like slowing everything down and like starting to get people to connect at the level of like how their body and their nervous system move, which is a way slower pace is, is like, that is the first step to getting a perfectionism sort of like unvelcroing from perfectionism. I love that phrase unvelcroing because that makes so like it's such a good visual that just really really makes a, t- a ton of sense. And it's very interesting your process because it's very similar to the process I use but for a different thing of you know make, taking bolder steps with your business and making taking risks and being willing to pivot but those small actionable steps seem to be the key to making movement in any area that you're yes. trying to work on. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that it's, it's important to keep talking about it because there is such a high value put on leaping and jumping and right. Using these big words that, that are super, what sounds like a very risky thing and just taking small steps takes a lot of courage and are more likely to create results that will last as opposed to something that all of a sudden becomes too much, right? You've like bitten off more than you can chew. And now what? Yeah, and it makes it so much easier to to actually do it every day. If it's something that's small, it, I'm a very big picture person. So, like, I always see the big picture, and then I have to, like, reverse engineer it back into small steps to get me there. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is that they haven't figured out the reverse engineering part. They, they can see the big picture, and then they're overwhelmed with, like, but I don't know what to do next. Uh, so those small, actionable steps are absolutely key to getting to that big picture. It's just... It takes time and movement and doing something every day and you'll get there like before you even realize it. Totally. Totally. And like, it's not sexy and it's not like, (laughs) you know, it's like, that's the whole thing, right? It's not sexy. So nobody's like, yay, small and doable action steps, but actually, yes, yay, small and doable action steps. That's funny because I say that same thing about um, my course that I'm doing is like, there's, we talk about astrology and human design and stuff. And then we talk about systems and I'm like, I know systems aren't sexy, but systems are what will, are the building blocks for success. Like once you understand who you are and put systems in place that support you, then you'll like your success is going to go crazy because you just put the systems part, man, that sucks. And nobody wants to do that part. It's the worst. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I think that People who want to, it it becomes like a, like, if I don't want to do this, then I want to do, right? If I don't want to do this particular way, then I got to like break it all, right? I just got to explode the whole thing and like start from scratch. And it's like, well, let's slow down here because there are probably some elements, right? Systems are, there's nothing inherently wrong with a system. It's just 
Yes. What is the system serving? Who is who is using this system? Like, right, you know, all of these sort of all of these sort of things are so important to to break down in ways that that actually are usable. That that you just described is exactly where I was like 10 years ago when I first like went from being a VA and into my own business. And I was like, I am not going to do it like they did it. And I refused. And I was like, I'm not building a list. I'm not doing any of these stupid things. And you know, my business continued, but it didn't go anywhere. It was just like flatline. And then a couple years ago, I was like, you know, it's not that those things were bad. It was the people using them. I didn't like the way they used them, but that doesn't mean yeah. that the things that they used to get successful were bad. It was just, so I had to break my <laughs> bias and <laughs> reassess, basically. Totally. Yeah, and that's a that's an interesting thing just to, to mention is like bias. And this is another thing that gets really, um, it's like really strong, it's really strong in all of us, but also it's something that pops up. I see a lot in, in perfectionism is, is our inherent negative bias and how, right. Our bodies are want to want us to stay alive. So it's like, we are more likely to assume the worst and stay alive than to assume the best and maybe be killed. Right. So it's like, that is one of the things that actually when people are starting to to reform their perfectionism is starting to see the big picture, not just all of the negative bias stuff, because that's easy to see. And it actually weighs heavier, like, and is bigger in our, in our bodies than the, than the good stuff, but actually starting to expand our vision and start to see more of the good stuff and start to see more of the like safety in ourselves and safety in the world around us. Because then it's like, oh, now I can actually start to expand my vision because if I'm in survival, I can't see much. I, I do a lot of talking by hand. So it's, I'm like, I don't know if, you know, it's like I'm, I'm putting my hands really close together, but you know, when you're in that survival mode, you're very, very focused on staying alive, which is not great for opportunity or idea generation or creativity. But once you start to feel like, okay, like things are okay, then your vision starts to widen and you're able to see more possibilities, get more creative, right? All the good stuff that, that people want to experience. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And like I said, yeah, it's, and that is kind of exactly what happened once I decided to stop holding on to my bias and like, I can see different ways to use these tools that have been around for a really long time that I've been avoiding yeah. and, you know, just really dive in and start using them the way they were meant to be used. And it's like, suddenly I have four courses and I have all these things going on that it took me a decade to get there because, and mostly it was just because I felt like I didn't know what I was doing, which it was all an imposter syndrome situation, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And yeah. my bias, those were the two things that were really holding me back. And so I guess there, there might've been a bit of perfectionism in there. Like, I don't think that I'm ready. I don't think I had, I know enough or I'm, I can't do it as well as I want to. So yeah. I won't do anything. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's a really, it's, it's, you know, it's nice to hear stories like yours. So people can be like, and like, just the fact that, right, it took a decade, right? People want it fixed now, today, yesterday, if I didn't get it done in two weeks, and there's something wrong with me, like decade people, <laughs> right? Like, this is not an overnight thing. <laughs> right. And I go through things like that, like, it'll take me this long to get and I'm using my hands too. But like, it'll take me years to do one thing. And then months to do another or weeks or even days like with my when I wrote my mom versus debt book, it took me a total of maybe three weeks to write. And when I decided to do the planner, it took 10 days. But these other things like take me years. So I think it's okay, you know, when those you, you get into that 
situation where you're just not ready yet. And when you are, it'll happen. Totally. Totally. So where can I send people? I know your website address, but I'm going to let you say it and your socials and all that stuff. Where can I send people to find you? Yeah. So, um, the, if people are interested in, in sort of, um, knowing more about the work with perfectionism. And I actually have a guide. It's called the Reformed Perfectionist Guide. So if people are interested in checking that out, it's completely free. Um, and I can give you the link so you can see it, but it's it's Fortitude and Flow, the Reformed Perfectionist Guide. And that'll just give people a a taste of sort of like my philosophy and the process that I talked about today, the fortitude and flow pro- uh, process, and then just some ways that people tend to try to take action through per- a perfectionist lens and like why those are just myths and why they don't work. So um, I will, I will give you the link to, to share with us listeners. Okay. And do you want, like, are you on Instagram, anything like that? that yeah. Use? So Instagram is definitely the place to, to play, which is, uh, that's fortitude and flow is my, is my handle there. And, um, yeah, I keep it simple. Uh, definitely more on Instagram than I am on Facebook, but also fortitude and flow on Facebook as well. Perfect. And you, when's your book coming out? So (laughs) funny question. So my, my hope is that I will have, um, I will get through the majority of the, so it's when you mentioned that your book was done really quickly, the first draft of my book was done in, in three weeks as well. It was 40,000 words in three weeks. And then blew me away. Mine was, (laughs) so, um, you know, this is, this is, we're now rolling up on about a year and a lot has changed since then. And a lot of things have been, have been clarified. So my hope is that the book will be, um, the book will be out maybe by the end of this year, beginning of next year. But I also have a link on my site that, um, that listeners can go to if they want to be basically first to know when the book, you know, when the book is ready to go so they can head over there as well. I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. I already know. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with me today. And yeah, just thanks. Yeah, that was just so fun. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Just Boldly Go podcast. You can check out uh, all we've got going on over at justboldlygo.com. And uh, you can check out my book, Mom Versus Debt, How I Paid Off $64,000 in Credit Card Debt in Under Three Years Without Becoming a Stripper at momversusdebt.com.